This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 15th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. In addition to being the guys with badges and guns, police officers receive many benefits of the doubt, special privileges, and considerations that are rarely afforded to the rest of the public. And many states are hoping to push for yet another benefit, a Bill of Rights just for cops. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. He discusses the so-called police officers' Bill of Rights. Well, police misconduct uh, can start small, and sometimes it stays small, uh, but it can escalate to uh, very frightening sorts of uh, happenings, including uh, violence to suspects in custody or to others, uh, corruption, um, the uh, theft of uh, large amounts of money from criminals and non-criminals because police find themselves in so many situations with, with loose money. And... So there is this question of uh, how do you uh, disincentivize police misconduct and when you have it happen anyway, uh, what do you do uh, to respond to it? And the answer that uh, police unions like and they have pressed for it successfully in between 15 and 20 states is something called the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. And this differs a little from state to state but the basic idea is it uh, slaps a whole bunch of procedural requirements on uh, a city uh, that wants to uh, discipline or fire a policeman over misconduct. And some of these kind of resemble teacher tenure rules. Uh, Some of them uh, are especially interesting because they have to do with questioning and interrogation. For example, uh, you can only uh, question the officer after uh, in the presence of his lawyer and after he's had a chance to examine all of the evidence against him, including the names of anyone who informed against him. Uh, in Maryland, the first state to pass it, uh, it actually has to be uh, an eyewitness. Uh, apparently, if someone saw a closed-circuit surveillance tape of a cop robbing the cash register, that's not good enough. It has to be eyewitness testimony. And uh, there could only be one questionnaire and on and on and on. And uh, It is a laundry list of things that you would like to have if you were getting in trouble for misconduct somewhere. For example, um, and again, I'm talking about the ones that I've I've looked at, but um, the charge of misconduct has to be recent, and that means within months, which means that if they discover misconduct that is still fairly fresh but didn't hit the deadline, you're home free. Uh, And Police unions, when they argue for these things, and they are the main boosters who have gotten them passed in in nearly half the states, uh, will say that uh, there are lots of phony accusations against police, and they're right on that. There are a lot of phony accusations. And they'll also say, well, if someone did something serious, um, the um, thing to do is to prosecute them, and a jury will convict them, and then you can take them off the force. Now, I have my doubts about that second one. Um, uh, Study after study from Cato and elsewhere has found that uh, police are prosecuted at remarkably low rates considering uh, how much violence and corruption apparently goes on. Uh, It's quite rare for them to be indicted. And then when they are indicted uh, or charged, they are very often acquitted. And we had an example just in Philadelphia where uh, narcotics squad in some ways, the most notorious body of policemen in the entire country with multiple outrageous scandals. This particular one was over their treatment of drug dealers, and the the feds had put uh, an informant in 
they had, in my view, uh, very strong evidence that they had committed, as one person uh, on the scene said, thousands of crimes. They had robbed uh, the dealers of hundreds of thousands of dollars through techniques like uh, hanging them over an apartment balcony until they talked. Um, they had taken the contents of safes. They had done all of these different things, and a jury in Philadelphia promptly acquitted them. Now, that wouldn't happen everywhere, but uh, that's a measure of how difficult it is to get convictions even when the evidence against police seems strong. And uh, indictments, uh, it's always worth pointing out that prosecutors who typically are the both advisors and advocates on matters of law to grand juries are themselves law enforcement officers. And not just law enforcement officers, but ones who, by the nature of their day-to-day work, have to maintain an ongoing working relationship with the police. The police are their witnesses. The police can make their lives incredibly difficult if they stop uh, full cooperation with the prosecutor's own work. So you have a system that is set up uh, to um, not pursue uh, most of the cases uh, that would have been pursued had it been in uh, someone other than a cop. And so to me, uh, it's an empty argument to say, uh, well, if they're guilty, they'll be uh, convicted of something and removed from the force. We know that that often doesn't happen. And uh, what we lose with the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights is a lot of the ability to use intermediate sanctions, as they're called, which is, um, you know, we know you know, we know you did it. There's lots of evidence. You're not actually going to be sent to jail, but you are going to not be patrolling our streets ever again. Right. And uh, but I, I think the response to that would be, well, isn't that a role for the civil justice system? And shouldn't these people not be unduly punished for uh, a crime that they were by a jury could acquitted of? Well, of course, there is a huge difference between civil and criminal. Uh, you get a criminal conviction only on beyond a reasonable doubt. And many people who did the thing, um, uh, as, as we recognize when we allow civil suits over the same things that, that have resulted in, in acquittals, civil suits against police are not likely to do the trick either. Uh, first, because the actual payouts are settlements that the taxpayers of the long-suffering city wind up paying. And very often, even after payment after payment has been made for rogue cops, uh, the rogue cop is still on the job. You know, they, Where the Law Enforcement Officers' Bill of Rights is not there, a union contract may be. And of course, many of these provisions mirror or duplicate what would be in union contracts. And the, giving the union a, a much higher baseline with which to negotiate yet further protections from inconvenience if you are an accused cop. But the um, civil remedies don't work very well either. And for, uh, you know, I I come back to the uh, topic of teacher tenure because I think that it's interesting how the political polarities get scrambled. If you talk to conservatives, they understand most of them pretty intuitively. You don't need to explain it very long why you give someone tenure and you wind up with a crop of lemons, as they're called, you know, t- teachers who can't teach effectively or who don't have the right personalities, who've thrown erasers at students one time too often, uh, and yet you can't get them out of the schools. And uh, to me, it is uh, more disturbing uh, when these problem public employees who can't be uprooted have guns and nightsticks and mace and the other things that we give cops. The uh, the supervisory role of, of teachers is already enough to worry about, but the supervisory role of police is more or less plenary. Who's defending these uh, police officers' Bill of Rights? Is it just people who are 
the Joe Bidens of the world who are defenders of cops, right or wrong, no matter what? This is a bipartisan issue in the bad sense. It may eventually be in the good sense as well. But it's in the bad sense because these things sail through very often with bipartisan support. The Democrats like to keep public employee unions happy and the Republicans are reflexively pro-cop. And so um, in Pennsylvania, for example, a year or two ago, uh, when they extended this to correctional officers, uh, I don't know what happened in their upper house, but in the lower house, I think it was a unanimous vote. Now, these bills should not be passing unanimously in a large state, uh, but that's an indicator that they don't really tend to get debated at all. They they are seen as something that uh, the law enforcement community wants, so the Republicans are for it. Now, as I say, things may beginning, be beginning to turn around. Uh, state of Maryland, which is the very first state to pass one of these, is also among the first to begin debating, has it gone too far? And uh, the ACLU of Maryland, uh, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, the mayor of Baltimore, uh, before the Freddie Gray episode, Um, went to the Maryland legislature and said, look, we can't get rid of uh, what we think are obviously bad cops. Uh, This is part of what makes policing in Baltimore so out of control. Please help us by not – they didn't even let the law repeal. They just said, please, um, you know, make it a a little less imbalanced. And watching what happened to that bill was very interesting because the Republicans, as I understand it, just – um, looked for an up or down from the uh, law enforcement community. And of course, most of the police chiefs are uh, not actually going to make their force very unhappy by uh, by, by saying they're against it. Um, and the Democrats were more split, but uh, were more swayed by the public union side than by the Baltimore's bleeding side. And so it, it went nowhere. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.